Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Looking up at the stars, I know quite well that for all they care, little old Joey can go to hell. But on earth, indifference is the least we have to dread from man or beast. So true. Indifference is the least we have to fear from man or beast. Oftentimes you'll hear, especially worked up partisans in these United States of America, that oh, the apathetic and indifferent are the worst among us. And I'm not here this evening or ever to defend necessarily apathy and indifference. Of course, depends on what you mean by those words. Exactly. But when you look at the world, it's not indifference or apathy, or people sitting back with folded arms looking down their noses that are causing the problems. Now, it seems to me that everybody's way too triggered in this way or that way for big reasons, reasons that should inspire anxiety and fear, as well as very petty reasons. Now, the petty reasons, for instance, Sarah Silverman, a foul-mouthed comedian who I find actually very attractive. And I liked her foul-mouthed antics. She's been fired from a movie for old photos that have surfaced of her wearing blackface. Now, I believe I can guarantee you folks that you will never find a photo of little old Joey here in blackface. But I'd imagine the context of Sarah Silverman wearing it might have something to do with a comedy sketch. I don't know. But it's these sorts of petty things that might suggest, just maybe, that progress actually is on the horizon. Here's what I mean. That we have it so good in this country that we're able to complain about the petty things were able to study different phenomenon that our ancestors just two, three, four generations ago wouldn't even understand. And we are in 
new and interesting times with the rise of the internet coming into full force, really bringing itself to bear on our political process as well as our culture at large. And I think this is probably the overall, the dominant trend that is leading to so many people being triggered. But occasionally there is a good reason to be triggered. And it goes to a deeply held conviction on my part that liberty, if we are willing to fight for it, that liberty, if we are willing to stand up for it, that liberty is our destiny. It is a destiny that can bring people together beyond cultural boundaries, beyond national boundaries. And I know the hip new thing these days is nationalism. And if you're a patriot, God bless you. And I mean that in a serious way, not the backhanded compliment, oh, bless your heart. No, I mean it seriously. God bless you if you love this country and what this country longs to stand for and the ideals that founded this nation. But the ideals that founded this nation, more than any given president, whether George W. Bush, Barack Obama, or Donald Trump, all the way back through our history, the ideals put into practice, embodied not by our politicians or our great leaders of industry, but by the everyday American people has provided an example to the world. This is what President Reagan meant. This is what John Winthrop meant by a shining city on the hill. Now, we massage these ideals. We sometimes, when you are talking in such fanciful and over-the-top ways as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the generalized concept of liberty, people don't always think of it in the same way, and fine. That is the nature of what we are. We disagree on everything. And again, even today, we disagree over the most petty crap. That's again a sign of progress. So again, looking up at the stars, I know quite well that for all they care, little Joey Clark can go to hell. But on earth, indifference is the least we have to dread from man or beast. And as I look at the protesters in Hong Kong, a little sliver here on God's green earth that really isn't all that green, that has been a massive success story for the last 50, 60 years of capitalism, of free markets, of free trade. I see people longing for freedom, trying to claim liberty as their destiny. The protest started in June. The, really, these demonstrations were over this now shelved, but not completely shredded, extradition bill. The bill would have allowed China to extradite Hong Kong citizens. Critics worry China would use the bill to prosecute people for political reasons. And that it would erode freedoms people in Hong Kong have. While the bill was suspended in June from the early demonstrations and protests, Hong Kong's leader has not formally withdrawn it. And so the people continue to protest. They continue to push their destiny. 
They continued to say, not only is it not enough for you to shelve and shred this extradition bill, now that you've tried to pass something like this, we're going to push further. And you're going to have to make an example of us more than the tank man ever was an example. There will have to be a major crackdown, and the whole world will see behind this thin veneer of politeness at the authoritarian nature of the Chinese government. A government, by the way, that you can find people like Thomas Friedman and all sorts of elites talking about, oh, wouldn't it be so great if the United States was like China? No, it wouldn't. Yes, China can do things at a very fast pace. They can build infrastructure quickly. They can make governmental policy changes nimbly. But they're able to do all these things in a swift and nimble way by having no regard for people's liberty. No regard. So though the first days of demonstrations and protests were all about this extradition bill, kind of like the camel's nose under the tent, slowly boiling the frog Pick your metaphor, whatever. Protesters are now demanding more as they should. Call their bluff. Show the world the tyrants that you are, you officials in Beijing, you the Communist Party of China, the People's Republic. What a joke. Or grant us our liberty. They're now demanding investigations into police brutality by the heavy-handed Chinese and Hong Kong authorities. And they're once again shouting from the rooftops and shutting down airports and shutting down town squares, demanding for greater democracy and more political reforms. It's almost like when people taste freedom for the first or second generation, they jealously guard it. But here's what I worry, folks. We might jealously guard our liberty for the first generation, the second generation, dare I say, even the third. But I've started to notice in myself and others around me, whether they are on the so-called right and left, whether they're independent or centrist or whatever, it seems that people today for one reason or another, are taking that liberty that is their birthright, that was paid for by blood and sweat and hard work, as well as the prosperity that this liberty brought forth, we take it for granted. And we do so at our own peril. It seems like Americans are more than willing to go out into the streets and protest with their astroturfed corporate signage when it's a matter of their political party taking over Washington, D.C. But it seems like as soon as a certain political party takes over Washington, D.C. and sits in these offices of power, whether in the House or the Senate or the 
presidential chair, it seems like those people who once protested so fervently for this or that version of liberty, well, what they really wanted all along was power. And we should always be a little cynical. Maybe Hong Kong isn't as black and white as we'd like to think. It's always a worry. It's a long project. But my heart is with those in Hong Kong who genuinely yearn for greater liberty and political freedoms for themselves and their fellows. If they can stare down that Leviathan from Beijing, they will be an example. Whether it ends in bloodshed or not, they will be an example. And we should not look the other way and take for granted what they are doing. Sit in our comfort and our luxuries and take for granted how difficult it is to win freedom when you are facing a leviathan like that in Beijing or that in Moscow or that in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia or Tehran, Iran or in capitals all over this earth whether in Venezuela (laughs) Venezuela or Cuba Or, God forbid, a civil war-torn country like Syria. What we have is precious. We should not take it for granted. Especially not for some petty partisan fights. And for worry that the world's changing too quickly. And people have asked me, over and over again, Joey, why, why is the country so divided? Why does, why does the world seem so on fire? Because I think we're taking our liberty for granted and we're obsessed, we're addicted to the power grab. To who's in office, who's controlling, in particular, the federal government. Even more specifically, the presidency. Thank God the system the founders gave us, based on constitutional government, based on a separation of powers, based on the principle of subsidiarity and dispersing power amongst the states in the different cities. Thank God that system worked the way it was supposed to work in theory. But we are pulling at it slowly but surely. We're slowly but surely pulling it apart by trying to centralize everything. And I don't just mean government policies where the federal government dictates this or that outcome. I mean culturally, in terms of our political discourse, we are centralizing, nationalizing every damn issue. That we lose perspective of how complicated... Not only this world is, but this country is. And because we are nationalizing, centralizing every damn issue, no wonder we feel under siege. No wonder we're obsessed with this power game and the politics of it all. No wonder we're constantly torturing our language as a means of control. Because it seems like the only game in town. 
What's happening in Hong Kong, again, should give us perspective. Liberty really is our destiny. And it is a portable idea. It starts, if you're looking at history, in the wild and weird and complicated and complex history of the West. The idea that the individual is sovereign over the collective. That though there are social needs, though there is a community we live in, and though you need community in order to survive in this world, not just materially, but psychologically, spiritually, that the way we have good functioning communities, city-states, and nations, is that we hold the individual sovereign. And somehow, and maybe it's the emphasis on democracy that's led us here, somehow we've forgotten the emphasis of the founders on individual rights, and we now emphasize groups. Groups of voters. And I'm not even talking about identity politics, slicing and dicing everybody up into an intersectional totem pole of who's the most oppressed versus who's the least oppressed. Of course, you can take that for what it is, because in identity politics parlance, I'm one of the most privileged people on earth. I have a, I'm in the low income bracket. That's, that's where I lack my privilege. But, you know, what's wrong with you, you straight white man? But let's be clear. Liberty belongs to the individual. Whether that individual is born in Alabama, New York, California, Canada, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Venezuela, Cuba, or Hong Kong. Though it started in the West, it doesn't necessarily belong to the West, nor should it. We should be that shining city on the hill that inspires people from all sorts of different backgrounds to fight for their destiny. And as far as I'm concerned, the soil under my feet cares little for what I do. Whether I grow food or plant flowers or erect flagpoles to march around with my fellows or scorch the earth with bombs only to bury the dead underneath it soon after. The earth doesn't care. The soil under my feet doesn't care. The soil is utterly indifferent whether it is my native soil or not. And when you look at a mutt like me under the microscope in terms of my ancestors and ethnic heritage, what is my native soil? Alabama? Is it Poland? Scotland? New Jersey? Is it Minnesota? None of these places, none of this soil on these different parts of the earth has ever lobbied me to designate one of them as my homeland. The blood in my veins doesn't carry any, in my opinion, collective memories, pride, or guilt passed down through the ages. My blood helps sustain my body, biologically speaking. It's quite obvious that it'll one day return to dust, to the indifferent earth on that day when my world within this wider one comes to an end. 
whether or not I'm remembered will rely on not the dirt, not the dirt in my grave or the blood of my progeny, but it will rely on the stories, the narratives that my descendants choose to craft and carry in their minds and pass on to their kids. My love for my father, my love for my mother, may she rest in peace. My love for my brother and for my new sister-in-law. For my aunts and uncles and my grandparents. It's, it's not based in blood. They have a little bit of an advantage being related, but my love for them exists as a fruit of their love for me and what they've shown for me. My love for my friends doesn't rely on blood. We don't share the same blood. It's what we've done for one another. It's the interest we share. And though some family members, I have the same lineage, I'm not really that close to them. I don't have any bad blood between us, so to speak, but this life goes on and you grow distant. And there's no doubt we all live in this context. We all live in whatever you want to call it. We grow up and inherit all these complex tales and stories given to us by our ancestors, our family lineage, lineage, the land we come from, our nation, our religion, our culture. We're not born as blank slates, just ready to be manipulated by the powers that be. And given this context that we come from somewhere, that we're bound by, yes, we're bound by more than just market exchange and prices and the property we trade. We're all born into all these overlapping communities and identities. It's what bothers me to no end about identity politics. You really want to go down this rabbit hole of identity and what group you belong to? It's more complex than you could even fathom. But they do include things like ethnic group and specific values and cultures and religious beliefs and traditions. We're all generally born into a country. We're all born into a historical context, a time and place. You have a neighborhood you grew up in. It all influences us. And so no doubt because of this, we're proud of it. And as long as it's worked for you, you should be proud of who you are, where you come from. So I say, if you're a patriot, God bless you. We need not forget where we come from. But we also need not treat our history, those things we did not choose, our unchosen attributes, to be treated as prophecy. And I say that not thinking as an American, but I now say that as somebody fighting in Hong Kong. The Chinese can look to a long history and a long tradition, thousands of years old. They'll tap into in order to justify their tyranny. Speaking specifically about the government run by the Chinese Communist Party. But just because China is thousands of years old doesn't mean their destiny is continued rule by a collectivist bunch of authoritarians. People can 
find these ideas and say, no, our destiny is something much more creative and much more free than this. And again, indifference is the least we have to dread from man or beast here on this earth. And we should be wary of a pride so strong it turns to prejudice and partisanship against the universal capacity that allows each of us to craft our own stories and pursue our passions in the first place. This is the very essence of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You can't confuse what came before us as simply destiny. Certainly not at the cost of failing to pursue new legacies, forsaking pathbreakers and peacemakers along the way. Tradition is a funny thing. I've often sat here and thought, in a traditional sense of the word, am I a conservative or am I a liberal? And I don't mean like today's current political parties. Am I a conservative in the sense that I believe in a restrained vision of human nature? I think we are limited in our capabilities of, of doing the right thing. That We're limited in our knowledge. Yes, I, I agree with that. So I think I'm much more in a conservative camp as opposed to a, a liberal camp that says human beings are almost infinitely malleable. You change the language, you change the social institutions, you change the government, you play the word games with language, then you can change who human beings are. This is what people like Karl Marx thought of. That, yeah, when you have the tyranny of the proletariat, there, there's, it's going to be a little rough for a while. But we're, we're going to change human nature itself. That way, we, then once we've changed human nature itself, we can take off some of the restraints. But that is, I think, a fool's errand. How long will you have to be working at changing human beings before you let go of your power? And if you understand that a constant feature of human nature throughout human history is the lust for power, the lust to dominate other people and control them for your own pride or the pride of your group, then when will that project to change human nature ever end? Again, a fool's errand. So we should respect our tradition. It's almost like a great jazz song. You have your basic chord structure and changes, but then you improvise on top of it. That is constantly what we're doing here in the United States. This is what our freedom allows us, our liberty allows us, is to decide, to look back and say, hmm, things my parents and my grandparents and their parents taught and shared with me and passed on through the generations, some of that was really wise. Some of it was, well, lacking and not wise at all, unwise. Too often today as well, we, we look back with the, the prejudice of our own time at people that came before us. Like, I, I can't stand this idea, let's blow up Mount Rushmore, tear down monuments. I mean, if you want to talk about, say, renaming a school, fine. But there's this destructive impulse in some folks that because people had 
evil or lacking ideas in the past that you have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Again, that's foolish. Our destiny as a nation, our destiny as individual people, relies on us being able to speak freely and think freely. And to do so without being confused and torturing the language as just a tool to win power and wield it over others. We actually have to look at those people across the aisle and those people in different nations and understand that, yes, there is a game going on here, a cynical game for power. But maybe, just maybe, I can convince them that there's a better way. Our DNA is not destiny. Our nation is not destiny. Faith is not destiny. Difference is not destiny. You know, our destiny is and has always been our uniquely human ability to reflect upon our nature and our history, to weigh the good and the bad of our traditions and aspirations, and in the end, choose our own course of action. And unfortunately, for the sake of tribe and pride, human beings, we have far too often chosen division and war only to excuse this bloody choice as no choice at all as an inevitable outcome of narrative differences based on race or nation, family, and faith. The reason liberty works, the reason making the individual sovereign over the group works, is because it allows good ideas to flourish. No doubt with freedom... There's going to be a lot of bad ideas shouted out loud. With freedom, there's going to be a lot of people who use their freedom for unproductive, if not downright destructive, ends. But with freedom, through all that turnover and all that churning, the latest fashion and the latest fads and what the viral crew is saying. and At a certain point, because of that freedom, the best idea to go forward will pop up. If we could only regard our choices as in fact free and grant one another respect for our innate liberty, our differences need not lead to bloody division dressed up as destiny. It's the great classical liberal insight, the sort of classical liberal insight that founded this country, that can brought us where we are today and can help propel us forward. I'm looking at the past and the future bringing this up. Trade and tolerance, not tolerance in the sense that, oh, you're going to be tolerant as long as you agree. No actual tolerance that doesn't always leave a good taste in your mouth but you know you're not at war with people constantly exchange and understanding exchange of goods and services but also of ideas respect for people with dignity that people have dignity unless they clearly show otherwise you can actually have peace 
across all sorts of different races and nations and faiths and families. Doesn't mean everybody's always locked hand in hand and singing kumbaya. It's like like we're going to, oh, oh, you accept liberty on a worldwide scale, Joey says, and all of a sudden it's like the end of the Grinch. Everybody's heart grows and everybody's singing around a freaking Christmas tree and somebody cuts a roast beast. No. It's not like that. Not offering utopia. I'm saying that this is the least worst option. Because all the other options, more power to the central governments of the world, not just the United States federal government, the most powerful on earth, bar none, or in human history, the governments strewn all across this globe, they're not the answer. And anybody that comes to you and says, I have the answer. I know how to mold society and take us into the future. They're full of crap. The whole idea of liberty is that nobody knows. Nobody knows for certain. At least nobody knows for certain enough to force it on other people. So we should be patient. It can't be universally imposed. I would not call on the United States government to get involved with what's going on in Hong Kong right now. I do not like this idea, oh, if you accept liberty, then we must go knock over every tyrant on earth. Liberty has to be chosen on the same basis, freely. It has to be recognized by all sorts of different families and faiths and nations and histories in their own unique way. If we're ever, for instance, going to get along with the Islamic world, the Muslim world, it will require Muslims within their own communities speaking up on behalf of liberty. Which might, to some ears, say, oh, that's not possible. How do you know that? And again, I'm not just saying, oh, turn the other cheek and take another punch. I'm saying if it is going to be liberty, say, across the Arab world, it will require the people there. We can't impose it. We can only offer ourselves as a shining example, which I wonder, are we doing that? We have to be patient. We're in this for the long haul. Persuasion on the behalf of peace is a never-ending game. And if equal affection cannot be, because there will be some people that hate us, whether here at home or abroad... For their own reasons, sometimes justified. Sometimes I piss people off and it's completely justified that they hate me. Sometimes I say something that I find completely benign and innocuous and people hate me. Sometimes the United States government does things that people around the world are rightfully pissed off about. Sometimes the United States government does nothing at all and people are wrongfully pissed off about it. So it's not about pleasing people. 
think I saw a quote earlier today from uh, Coach Wooden. Yeah. Said you need to care about your character more than your reputation. Because character is actually who you are. And reputation is merely what other people think of you. And if you go through life saying, oh, it's not what I do, it's what they see. Then you have to follow up by saying that people can't see what you actually believe. You've got to make a believer out of yourself. You've got to develop that character, not only as an individual, you have to carry it on. What is the character of this nation? What is the example we're giving to the people in Hong Kong and so many others? And knowing this, that there are going to be people out there who don't like us for this reason or that reason, sometimes justified, sometimes completely unfounded. If this equal affection cannot be, let the more loving one be me. We have to be willing to take all the slings and arrows going forward. And not to be the one unduly throwing them ourselves. I just see what's going on in Hong Kong tonight, folks. And it got me all serious. And I'm feeling a little, you know, lonely. And apparently now they're working on a pill for that. I'm sure that'd work out beautifully. You know, just a pill to make you feel like you belong all by yourself. That's the thing. If you're feeling lonely... How's a pill going to make you not feel lonely? Well, it might change how you feel, but you're still going to be alone. So essentially, this pill would have you denying reality. Mm. I don't think that will work out too well. I mean, what could go wrong? (laughs) What could go wrong with the pharmaceutical industry? Who knows? Who knows? Oh, and by the way, I think I've figured out who we should be looking into on the suicide of Jeffrey Epstein. Or dare I say, the murder of Jeffrey Epstein. Given all these new details today, that the cameras were off, that the officers on shift were working double shifts, and even some of the corrections officers there weren't actually full-time officers, but they're working double This is starting to sound like Jack Bauer is up to something. We should be looking into Jack Bauer. He was tortured and held by the Chinese for years. Who the hell knows what he's up to today? With that, I'll be right back. Joey Clark. Quick news stories, folks. And by the way, welcome back to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Joey Clark flying solo tonight. Yeah, first a, a story where it's just police. It's not the worst thing they could do, but acting uh, stupidly. <laughs> 
the story of uh, a man who I believe is the starting quarterback for uh, a Georgia university. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. And he was driving, you know, like people often do, driving around. And he gets stopped by police. And they ask him, what's, what's that white substance on your, on your windshield? Like, oh, we've, we've got him caught now. What's that white substance on your windshield? And he's like, oh, it's, it's bird crap. You know, nothing, nothing else. Well, they test it for drugs. Folks, this was in Saluda County, South Carolina. Sheriff deputies pulled Shy Wirtz. Ooh, what a last name, Mr. Wirtz. Mr. Squirts. He pulled Mr. Wirtz over, these uh, deputies did, for speeding. You know, I've driven past the speed limit before. I wonder if any of you happens from time to time. And when they pull him over for speeding, they notice Mr. Wirtz has a uh, white substance on the hood of his car. Wirtz, who's the starting quarterback, yeah, I was right about this, uh, for Georgia Southern University. He told them it was bird poop. But a drug field test of this white substance on the hood of his car. A drug field test said it was in fact cocaine. So they arrested Wirtz for possession of cocaine. I mean, this guy... I've seen cocaine trafficked by the billions of dollars worth, tons of it, that was interdicted by authorities at ports of entry here in the United States. But this guy has come up with a brilliant scheme. He's going to hide his cocaine, his white lady, on the hood of his car. They'd never suspect it. In plain sight. That's where I'm going to keep my coke. Right there, where the officers could see it. Because a lot of people might confuse it as bird poop. It'll take a real eagle-eyed officer to notice it's, to see through the crap and notice it's not, in fact, bird crap. That's cocaine. A little over a week later after they arrest Mr. Wirtz, though, a lab test came back negative for cocaine or any other controlled substance. And prosecutors dropped a possession charge. Of course, Wirtz was suspended from Georgia Southern and their team, even though he's a starting quarterback after being arrested, but now he's returned to practice. Really? Like, who are these brilliant, brilliant sheriff's deputies in South Carolina? I... I respect the sheriff's deputies and the sheriff here in Montgomery County because I've not heard any stories like this. But if I ever do, thank God I don't live in Saluda County, South Carolina. Well, you know what we got here? It seems that this gentleman was transporting cocaine on the hood of his car. And he just tried to cover it up by making it look like bird poop. Good God, folks. God help us all. Again, there are dumb people everywhere, even in positions of uh, awesome power. 
I want to move to another story now, though, that uh, caught my attention. I'll have to talk about it more tomorrow night with uh, Mr. Spodlow if he joins the program. But this is one of those stories where I, I really don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, and par for the course, of course. Now, a week or so ago, I noticed a story that using new infrared or new telescope technology, they were able to see heretofore unforeseen galaxies, that the universe is much more expansive than we even imagine, which is quite expansive, because we'd have imagined it to be quite big. So that was pretty cool. Like, okay, new mysteries to be solved and, and thought of. But this story is one where I'm not sure what I'm talking about when I read it to you and present it to you. And I don't think anybody really knows what it means, which means we have to talk about it. Here's the headline. Our galaxy's black hole suddenly lit up and nobody knows why. Yes, in May of this year, 2019... A supermassive, well, the supermassive black hole at the core of the Milky Way galaxy became 75 times brighter in just two hours. The dark behemoth, known as Sagittarius A, is four million times as massive as the sun. Well, that's pretty massive. Though no light, but who's... Don't compare size. Don't get, that's just... Well, I guess you can when you're talking about celestial bodies. Anyway, just don't always compare size. It's, it's going to leave you disappointed. There's always somebody bigger. Anyway, though no light escapes its boundaries, astronomers can observe this supermassive black hole's interactions with bright stars or dust clouds that surround it. On the night of May 13, 2019... UCLA astronomer Tuan Do or Du and his colleagues were watching Sagittarius A using a telescope on the summit of Mauna Kea in Hawaii. In a period of just two hours, they witnessed the black hole become 75 times brighter in the near infrared band of the light spectrum. That spring evening, the Milky Way supermassive black hole reached much brighter flux levels in 2019 than ever measured at near-infrared wavelengths. This according to a forthcoming study by those who observed this phenomenon. The brightness of of Sagittarius A varies all the time, getting brighter and fainter on the time scales of minutes to hours. It basically flickers like a candle, this according to Do or Do. It's spelled D-O, but... Who the hell knows how to pronounce a last name like that? We think that something unusual might be happening this year because the black hole seems to vary in brightness more, reaching brighter levels than we've ever seen in the past. Well, we haven't seen much of the past. We haven't been looking at this massive hole for that long, so maybe it's done this before. But the peak flux, meaning the most luminous phase of the flare-up, soared to twice the maximum historical flux measurements. In other words, in the 20 years since astronomers have monitored 
the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy that we continue to spin around as we spin around the Earth. Well, while I went all old school astronomy there for a second, as we spin around the sun. In other words, in the last 20 years since astronomers have been looking at Sagittarius A, the next brightest event has only been half as dazzling as this one. This unusual sparkle at the galactic core was likely caused by close encounters between the supermassive black hole and objects surrounding it. Okay. Again, it's stuff like this that fascinates me, mostly because I don't think anybody understands what it means. When you're looking at things that massive, on that scale, again, something, what did they say, four million times bigger than the sun. You have to step back, and there's a reason for the terms wonder and awe. Absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And, you know, to think that, well, something as mysterious, as awe-inspiring, as the flickering of a supermassive black hole called Sagittarius A can also be spoken about in the same breath as, well, officers in South Carolina confusing bird crap for cocaine. Well, just, the world's complicated. And just because something is small or something is massive doesn't mean the small thing's unimportant and the massive thing is more important. The fact that this guy in South Carolina was, you know, thrown in jail and wrongfully accused is very important to him. Probably important to his team at Georgia Southern. The fact that this supermassive black hole that we're all spinning around as we speak flickered brighter than twice as bright as it ever has as long as we've been observing it, observing it in 20 years. How important is that to your everyday life? It's cool. In the same way that like a... Pink Floyd laser light shows cool, man. Smoke it if you got it. But how important is it? Just cool. So let's not confuse size with uh, importance or vigor and vitality. Well, now I'm talking about something else. Anyway, I have to go. This has been the Joey Clark Radio Hour. My heart goes out to those in Hong Kong. My heart goes out to every American who understands we have to fight for liberty, not just for our political party. My heart goes out to all those wrongfully accused when bird crap is confused for cocaine on your car. And my heart goes out to those scientists trying to figure out what the hell is going on with the supermassive black hole. That's the Joey Clark Radio Hour for this evening. I'll be back tomorrow. God knows what I'll talk about. Joey Clark.